Uh, Lord, our God, we thank you that you don't leave us alone to try to figure out um, figure out who you are, what we should believe about you, or what you want us to do. Uh, Lord, you don't even leave us alone after you've told us uh, what to do, uh, but you make a way of salvation uh, for us. Lord, we come to you tonight in all kinds of uh, different uh, all kind of different places, Lord. We come uh, worn out with many things. We come distracted by many things. Uh, maybe burned, burdened by guilt. Um, Lord, maybe, um, maybe very excited for the things of the Word. Um, maybe burnt out and hurt and not really even wanting to be here. Uh, Lord, you are a powerful uh, God who works and works in our heart by your Spirit and works even through your Word. We pray that you would show us how you are living and active. Uh, we pray according to, you, to your word, that your word, that the scripture tonight would not return to you void, but would accomplish your uh, purpose, and it would be for our good. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, work through the words that I would bring, that they would not be uh, for myself, uh, but I would be speaking uh, your truth uh, boldly and clearly, um, and that your spirit uh, might, uh, might be active uh, through my words and in all of our hearts, uh, that you would be glorified, that you would use us that you would change us and work in us. Lord, we ask for your grace, uh, because we are undeserving and you meet our needs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 20. Hear the word of God. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, it is, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said to him, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercised authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. So we have Jesus uh, with the power hungry, uh, if you will, or maybe even uh, Jesus with the power hungry and their mothers, right? Uh, I mean, I think if I was in Jesus' shoes here, I would have just looked at them and said, no. Like, like, if you can't even come to me and ask for yourself, if you've got to get your mother to ask for a position of authority, um, you've got some more growing up to do. I think it's a different uh, context there. There's more to it. But... Um, <clears throat> But the way Jesus answers them is, uh, is much more profound, uh, it's much more uh, helpful uh, to us. He's, he's not merely showing that their question was, was kind of inappropriate or not the right time uh, to ask it or, or they shouldn't have got their mother to do it for them. Um, 
But as he answers them, what you see is their whole perspective is actually contrary to the gospel. It's contrary to Jesus' mission itself and everything that he's uh, going about and doing. Um, when you look at the question in, full, in the full context, some of the verses surrounding it, it's really uh, it's fascinating. It's astounding. Uh, you're just like, what, what, what's going on? Um, but they would still be thinking this. You know, they say sometimes uh, it takes... Well, it takes hearing something three times before you finally get it. You know, you get annoyed with your professor that actually repeats everything three times. But if you hear something repeated, you know, three times, it takes kind of that long before it finally uh, sinks in. And, and maybe that's the case uh, here for, um, for the disciples, for, uh, for James and John, the sons of Zebedee, as well as the other disciples. Because um, uh, already if you look at the end of chapter 30, verse uh, in the chapter 19, verse 30 of chapter 19, I've been talking about the, uh, we looked at this passage in a different gospel, Jesus with the, with the rich young ruler, and talking about how difficult it is for the, for the rich to enter uh, the kingdom, and, and the disciples are like, what's going on if someone of like great power and importance uh, and riches isn't the one with great status doesn't get into the kingdom, then, then who does? And Jesus says he's answering this, as already said to him uh, in 1930, that many who are first will be last, and then last first. And then he goes on to tell this uh, parable of the laborers in a vineyard, and some have worked all day, and some have worked for just an hour at the end of the day, and the guy pays them all the same amount, um, and they're, they're frustrated with it. And again, he concludes it in chapter 20, verse 16, uh, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. The least important will be most important, and the most important will be least in his kingdom. So here, apparently, they still need to hear it the third time, but you kind of get it at the end of, uh, end of this lesson that he says to them once the disciples are all uh, bickering and, and jealous over one another that the ten are, are mad at James and John for, uh, for asking this. Um, but then apparently it takes more than three times for them to get it, too. Sometimes it takes me more than, a lot more than three times. I'm still working on a lot of this stuff. Um, but in the context of the passage, I mean, what happens right before this? He's, he's just talked about this the first, I mean, last, like several times. And then the verses just before, in verse 17, they're going to Jerusalem, right? They're going to a place where Jesus will be uh, crucified, killed, um, and, and, and be raised up. And he's telling that to him again. This is the third time in Matthew's Gospel that talks about Jesus specifically talking to the disciples about what's going to happen. Um, and he's telling them, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is what everything's about. The Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And then they'll deliver him over to the Gentiles, and he'll be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and raised on the third day. And so it's, it's right after that that, the, that that James and John and then their mother are like, so can we be at your right hand and your left hand? Um, I mean, your Jesus for part four. So thankfully, I'm not, you know, you just, like, you're surprised that Jesus doesn't just kind of uh, beat him back over the head and be like, what are you thinking? Like, is this still where you're at? You don't get what I'm about. You don't get why we're even going to Jerusalem. Jesus is well aware of why he's going to Jerusalem. How willing to sacrifice himself, to give up his life for salvation. And here they are bickering and jealous over who's got the, Who's most important? Who gets the, the highest, highest place, the highest position, the most power, the most status, most approval? They don't get the gospel. And for the third time, again, uh, Jesus uh, tells them, reminds them, and leads them, and more than that, goes on to Jerusalem. 
uh, to show them the full impact of the gospel. So we get to this passage, I just want us to look at, uh, at two sides of Jesus' uh, last statement there uh, to them, that, that he has come and we are called, uh, he's come not to be served, but to serve. And we're called uh, to live, not to be served, but to serve. It's the truth of the gospel of Jesus' life. Um, it's also his example uh, for them. His example of how he speaks to the power hungry uh, and how he speaks to us. Uh, so first of all, then, not to be served. Jesus has not come not to be served. He's, it's not, he hasn't come for the power hungry to be fed or to, uh, uh, to go on a power trip and get domination over everyone, right? Um, that's not what's, what's going on here. But if we're honest, um, we, all, we all want to be served. Um, we kind of picture that sometimes in our heads, right? If other people, it's so nice if someone would just... It's great when someone else can go uh, get your coffee uh, for you. Um, it's great when, when someone else cleans up the dishes, right? Uh, some of y'all have roommates that, that you find ways for them to serve you by making sure that they, they wash the dishes if you just leave it there uh, long enough. Um, you want someone else to serve you to do your homework? That'd be great. To go to class for you? Well, you pick your schedules that way so you have someone else uh, serve you. They're always going to go to class. You'll just, you'll just sit there. No, or even just... It's great to go out to a, to, a, to a nice restaurant where you have a, a waiter or waitress who, like, someone else is cooking your food. You just sit there, talk to whatever you want, and, and they cook your food and they bring it out to you. They keep filling up your glass. Uh, they, they clean everything up for you, right? It's, it feels good to be able to go out, even if you have to pay a little bit of money to make that happen. That's the other side of it, right? But, but we would love for all that to happen. We want to be served. We do. We love it. We crave it. We long for it. We work for it. Um, but really, not just for not just for the results of it, right? Not just for the being treated well or the pampering of it. Um, we we want to be served um, because of who we are. We want to be served as a sign of our greater importance than other people. And other people to be coming to us to do things for us, um, to to uh, to look up to us because. They think that we're better than they are, and they, and they want our approval, so they raise their status, and we're all kind of working this, like, who's climbing up the ladder, um, who's more important to gain. Um, we want to be served. We want greater power, status, or approval. You want your friends to respect you. You want to be the person they, they look up to. Um, and, you know, what your values are depend on that, on what that is, so if you're if you're just like an academically focused person, then, then you want to be the person that knows in your class the right answer when the teacher asks the question, your hand shoots up. Um, if, you're, if you're not the academic person, you're more the social person, you're never going to raise your hand because you don't want to be looked at as the, uh, the teacher's pet or kind of all into that. You're, you're more concerned with what everyone else thinks about you, right? But we, we want other people to think well of us, to respect us, to look up to us. We're trying to, to gain greater influence or, or impact or respect from people. Um, we're, we're power hungry in a sense the way that the, the disciples are here. And I mean, just to ask you, what are, the, what are the areas of your life where that's what you're doing? What are the areas in your life where you're looking for to gain greater importance? To gain greater influence so that you can do more, so that you have more respect from people around you. Um, I mean, maybe that's just the group of friends that you're in. Um, maybe that's your job. 
Maybe it's your house, your apartment, uh, other organization that you're involved in. Maybe it's within your family. Uh, maybe it's within RUF. Um, but you're just trying to look for how can I be, how can I get more respect here? How can I be more important? How people begin to look up to me. What are your, what are your ambitions for yourself, right? Um, or maybe for some of you, what are your mother's ambitions for you as she's planned out your life, right? Um, one of those things that you're working for. Maybe it's the Maybe it's to have a high GPA, um, do well in certain classes. Maybe it's to, to be looked up to in your, your group of friends. Maybe to be an officer in, in your uh, fraternity or service organization or to be on RES leadership or to have an important job uh, when you graduate or, or whatever it might be. Um, there's things that we're aiming for that we, we want others to respect us, look up to us. And we love, right, to picture ourselves in that position. These are the things that like nothing else is going on or like early in the day or it's kind of like, you know, you know, trying to get your breakfast in the morning, you haven't really woken up, but your mind's still like wandering around the things. These are the things you picture. You're like, ah, yes, when everyone else is like, oh, come to you and ask your opinion about these things and can we hang out with you? They're, they're the ones calling you because they want to know what you're doing this weekend because they want to be hanging out with you, right? You want to be getting those phone calls instead of always being the one uh, calling around or um, we, love, we love to picture ourselves uh, that way. Um, maybe for me, one of the things I think about is, uh, is RUF staff training. I love, I love going to staff training. RUF, the uh, other for staff, campus ministers get together a couple times a year. Um, and honestly, it's just great camaraderie, uh, great fellowship, great love. Um, and you, you don't feel so much... Uh, so much competition in all these ways. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's times when I look at things and just watch all the dynamics and I'm like, man, like those, those older campus ministers that have been around like 8, 9, 10, 15 years, it's just everyone respects, everyone admires them. Like we want to hear their opinion about things. I'm like, oh, like, like I, I want that, you know? Um, I want to be there that day when the, when the younger campus ministers are like, Ooh, is is Story gonna you know come talk about this, or can we catch him later and like ask him these theological questions, or what ministry's really been like, or, or what things are like at FSU? Like, like we, we, I want those kind of things. I like picture in my mind, like, ooh, what is staff training gonna be like that one year? Um, I have to, I have to keep waiting for a while. Um, but uh, um, or other campus ministries, right? When when people are like, oh, what's going on in RUF? That's the significant ministry, right? How's God working out there? These are things we're we're concerned with. We kind of want that. Or I picture the administrative staff, like at FSU, wanting to talk to me, like Mary Coburn, dean of students. Like she'll she'll send me an email someday, and she'll be like, I'd "Love to get together with you and just get your perspective on student life at, at FSU and the kind of questions and things that students are dealing with." You know, like like that'll be kind of be great. I've, I've gained you know some importance, like respect even from the administration here. Um, you didn't know that I thought about these things. Uh, they didn't take me long to come up with it. Um, um, right? We're we're looking we're looking for respect. We're looking for approval to have influence. We're looking for power. Um, and when we're when we're acting that way, whether it's in class or friends or job or, or whatever, um, how do we begin to treat others? Um, right? Uh, all of a sudden, it's a competition. All right, I've I've got something smarter to say than you. I'm dressing uh, better than you. I look cooler. I have the have the right things. We're putting them down to to lift ourselves up. 
Or if you're, you know, wouldn't degrade yourself to putting other people down, you'll simply point out how those other people are putting you down to lift themselves up uh, so that you're putting them down by they're putting you down. And it's still the same exact thing, right? Um, we want to make ourselves look good. We want to make and, and not have anyone else uh, turn on us. It becomes bickering and jealousy and jockeying for position, right? That's what the disciples are doing. They're like, who's going to be, like, closest to Jesus? Um, who's going to be sitting at his table and not at the other table? Who's, who's going to be um, a position of authority when he comes uh, into his kingdom? We do the same thing that we see the disciples uh, doing. And Jesus says to them, he came not to be served. Jesus' mission in the gospel is him coming uh, not to be served. Now, if, if anyone in the history of the planet has ever, uh, if ever it was appropriate for someone to have been served and served constantly and have every need met by everyone, it was Jesus, right? This is, this is the God of the universe uh, coming down in flesh and blood, uh, walking around on his own two feet from town to town to town, um, and everyone should have been serving him, right? Uh, right after this, what happens? He goes into Jerusalem, right? The triumphal entry. Um, and, you know, Palm Sunday, you know, when you're a little kid or something, people got this palm branches. You're like, what was that about again? Because they're laying these palm branches down on the road and, like, their, their jackets and stuff. Or Jesus to be able to walk through, but he's not even touching the ground. And they're all calling out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, right? Hosanna to the son of David. Um, that's awesome. That's what it should have been like from day one when, when Jesus was born. Every town that Jesus went to, right? Uh, people should have been like, Hosanna, Hosanna, the highest. Here is God in the flesh. Come to us. How can we serve you? That was, that's what would have been appropriate, would have been, would have been fitting. Um, Jesus said he didn't come out to be served. Part of the gospel to us, the good news to us, is that when Christ uh, came, he didn't come to be, to be served. Um, he could have demanded it, could have required it, he could have beat people into submission, or like, you know, you're not able to, to move or speak until what you're going to say or speak is, uh, <laughs> so all of your cries are about Jesus, right? All the things you're saying. Um, yeah, he, could, he could have made people so they're not able to do anything until they're, until they're serving him. They're like, now he's sitting. He's, he's God. He can do that. Um, he didn't come to be served. He was, he was born in a stable. He was, he was born in a barn with a bunch of animals. Um, and as a baby, they laid him in, in an animal feeding trough. Um, that's, how, that's how he came into the world. Uh, he was the son of a carpenter. And even in his ministry, he says... <coughs> Birds of the air have their nests, boxes have holes. He's got nowhere to lay his head. He didn't come uh, to serve, to have everything, uh, but to give of himself. Um, we, we live in a time and a culture where most of us and many people are very aware of, of power, manipulation, maneuvering. Um, and kind of naturally skeptical, you know, if you're seeing any advertisement, or certainly if you're watching politics, but even sometimes when you're around your friend or people who are in positions of authority, um, they're skeptical for why anyone or any organization does anything. What are they trying to gain? What's in it for them? How are they trying to use me, and how are they trying to get above me and push me down because of this? I don't want to take it. 
because I want to be in control myself, right? So we live in a time where we're pretty, um, pretty aware of that. Most people are, are pretty aware of that. And certainly that criticism has come to the church, and certainly the church uh, through history and even uh, in our days has engaged in those type of things where um, even the point where you have the so-called like, like political, uh, even, even political... Uh, Lobbying types of types of things, or or even just within churches, you've got groups of people in those churches that are trying to get what they want to make things happen for their agenda. Um, but when it comes to Jesus, um, that skepticism, uh, that criticism, doesn't stick. One, because Jesus would have every right if he said everyone served me with with everything, because he's the God of you. But that's not what he did. Uh, Jesus came uh, not to be served. And uh, in John uh, 13, after, after washing the disciples' feet, um, he says, A servant's not greater, greater than his master. This is how Jesus has treated his disciples. Uh, we're not greater than Jesus. Um, we should be giving up our desires to be served, giving up our selfish ambitions. Giving up our longing for importance and respect and approval and for people to be uh, looking up to us. Uh, because Jesus, Jesus has come for us. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. and calls us uh, not to live to, for our own power, authority, or to be served. I mean, wouldn't that be an awesome group of people to be around? Um, when everyone's not jockeying for position all the time, um, trying to, to, to outsmart the other person or outdress the other person or be smoother or, or whatever different things, uh, to be more important or more impressive, um, not simply about our own ambitions or our own gain. Jesus says, the Son of Man uh, came not to serve, uh, but to be served, give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, so our second point is, um, but to serve. It's the opposite of, of power uh, politics um, here. What Jesus, in fact, Jesus is, Jesus is reversing uh, the very mindset of ambition and power-hungry manipulation. Uh, that's, that's what he's done, and that's what he calls us to do. It's, no, it's, not, it's not how can I achieve more for myself at your expense, right? But now he's shown us it's, it's how can I achieve more for you at my own expense. He's reversing it entirely. It's, it's an ambition for other people uh, at our expense to give to others. Instead of selfishness and ambition, um, it's love coming out of sacrifice. This is the gospel for us. This is what Christ has done for us. And, you know, just in this short phrase that he gives us here, uh, you have it summed up. He's uh, come not to, uh, not to be served, but to serve, to give his life uh, as a ransom for many, it's a beautiful uh, statement of the gospel. To give his life as a ransom uh, for many. Um, I, uh, uh, Kaylee left her water bottle over at our house the other day. Um, and uh, um, it's just she, she wants to get her water bottle back. I've been intending to joke with her that, that if she wants to get her water bottle back, it's in the Jeep and you've got to pay me a ransom. <laughs> so I hope you brought the ransom because your water bottle is awesome. Um This is how... Uh, this is how Christ is, is, is talking about us and our, our need for the gospel. We're hostage. A hostage to ourselves, a hostage to our sin and our own desires uh, for sin. 
running and hiding for God. And, and God's justice demands it to be dealt with. Uh, God's justice demands punishment. Uh, scripture says the wages of sin is death. Uh, and we can't be freed or have life without a ransom being paid. And Jesus came uh, to, to serve, to give his very life as that ransom uh, for many, to be, uh, to stand in our place uh, for those who believe. His life in place of our life. Uh, his death for the death that we, uh, that instead of our death, uh, that Isaiah says, the Lord has laid on him uh, the iniquity of us all. Our guilt, our shame, our wrong, he's taken. That's how he has served us, to give his life. Calls us for us to be ransomed, redeemed, uh, forgiven, uh, restored to God in the fullness of God's love and the fullness of life for eternity. Christ has given himself that we uh, may have. And that's how Jesus has served us. And the humility uh, that he went through, the shame, uh, the suffering, Talked about it right before, right? Condemned by the leaders of his own people, condemning him to death, handing him over uh, to just the nations of the day, to the Romans, right? Who, who what, according just before that, mocked him. Other scripture, spit on him, uh, whipped him, beat him, flogged him, it says here, crucified him. Uh, Jesus' shame and suffering that he was willing to go uh, through in order to achieve, in order to achieve more for us. Achieve more for us at his own expense. Ambition of how he lived his life. They're a little more raucous crowd over there than we are. Y'all are kind of subdued. I don't know if we need to like you know get something going over every here back, but um, uh, but the ama- the God of the universe. And this is how Jesus deals with the, with, with the power hungry. Uh, the God of the universe gave up all power and position and authority uh, and influence. Um, uh, he, he's given it up even to death that we might gain everything that he has to give. Um, even the Father's affection, his love and his approval through what Christ has given up, we gain, right? Why are we... Why are we power hungry? Why do we, I mean, just try to get, because we want to gain things for ourselves. And Christ has given us more than we could ever gain for ourselves. We're trying to like, maybe this, maybe that. Uh, Christ has given his life and, and all the riches of heaven, all that is his, uh, he's given to us. The Father's love, approval even. Uh, so it's completely then contrary to the gospel. You see how he's speaking to the disciples. It's contrary to the gospel to look to our own pain, to look, be looking for power for ourselves or the next, next way up. Uh, James and John um, and their mother, uh, Jesus says, didn't know what they were asking. They didn't understand the way things work in his kingdom or how they're, they're looking to him because Jesus is going to be crucified. Um, the Christian life isn't ease and power and gain, um, it's suffering, it's weakness, it's loss, it's, it's death. Um, Jesus calls us to serve others, uh, to love others in sacrifice, um, not to uh, be served, but to serve. And please don't just like, we can kind of like Christianize this, and we can Christianize being power hungry, and then like, you know, if for some of you, you 
like this has been your experience in your life because you grew up going like go to church all the time and go into a Christian school and then people will talk about this and you're like oh first be last and last to be first and then you can I can remember times of people like jockeying to be like last in the line Right here, like fighting with one another, just no, I'm going to be last to show off that I'm the that I'm the last person because the first because the, the last are going to be first. Yeah, you're like, uh, um, I heard I heard a pastor one time talking about um, I'm going to church saying saying this is why we're a great church um, because we care to serve others. Um, there's something that, something that's great about that, but then then with that there was this. We're better than other churches because we're serving other people. And it's like, whoa, we just missed the whole point. We're still jockeying for our power, our position, our influence, our status. Putting others down, all because of that. Not giving up, serving in love. And the, and the very areas that James and John wanted um, power, dominance, and influence um, in Christ's kingdom and learned sacrifice. Their love to serve others how Christ had served them. James ends up being one of the early martyrs, um, uh, suffering death. John, uh, we hear at the end, uh, at the end of the New Testament, is is an exile, um, exile on an island uh, for the faith. To go back to the very same areas that we that we already mentioned, right? If we're we're where we're looking for more. More important, more approval, more respect. Your your classes, your friends, your organization, uh, whatever. Um, your ambitions and your your mother's ambitions for you. And in those in those very uh, those very areas, ask not how can I achieve more for myself at other people's expense, um, but in light of what Christ has done for us, how can you achieve more for others at your own expense? So the ambitions that we should have in one sense in Christ's kingdom of love, knows when we see what Christ has done, we can't just turn around and go, all right, now how can I get stuff for my, how can I turn on other people uh, and get stuff for myself now? Christ has given up everything. Now that puts me in position to take, take. Um, transforms our hearts where we would give. How, how do your ambitions need to be uh, transformed to, to seek to be achieving more for others at your own expense? Um, yeah, maybe that means you're, you are doing your roommate's dishes um, sometimes. And you're doing it with a non-complaining heart because you're like, man, if Jesus, Jesus went to the cross for me, I can do my roommate's dishes, right? Like, it's a small thing there. Um, if your roommate's a slacker, you also probably need to tell him, like, hey, you need to do your dishes. And that's, that's loving to speak the truth to them. But, but still, even those small things, like, um, th- this is how we show the gospel. Um, and serving others, and loving, of giving of ourselves, how we reflect what Christ has done uh, for us. Um, Jesus speaks to the power hungry. Uh, he speaks to those who are longing for importance, uh, respect, and approval, um, and position. I'm just going to wait for him for a second there. Um, uh, we're, 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 we're closing up to it. Uh, Jesus, Jesus speaks of the power hunger. For those who are, who are longing for importance for themselves, um, Jesus goes to Jerusalem. He goes to death for the power hungry, for people who are looking for their own uh, importance and status, status hunters like us. Um, not for our ambition to become greater and greater for ourselves, to be achieved, 
which gave up power uh, to save, uh, to save the power hungry and turn their ambitions into meeting, meeting the needs of those who are weak, of being willing to, to suffer uh, and be weak for others, of giving of anything that they have, of being, uh, being lowly, being made fun of, to care uh, for others. Um, after a little bit later, um, uh, after Jesus has gone into Jerusalem with the Last Supper and uh, the story in John's Gospel, John 13, of him washing the disciples' feet, teaching the same lesson that he's uh, taught them here. Jesus didn't stop, but just the third time. Kept it going. He says, uh, by this, people will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, uh, if you love one another. We see how Jesus has done all for us has given his life as a ransom for us that transforms everything of how we look at others, how we look at ourselves, to be willing to, to give, to serve, and to love others in sacrifice. Uh, let's pray that Christ would show us the truth and work it in our hearts. Uh, Lord God, we thank you uh, that you are God, uh, that you work all things according to uh, your will, according to your good pleasure. Um, Lord, we thank you for the for the crowd and the in the background and the and the noises, and we thank you for your word and the gospel. Um, and Lord, we pray that you would uh, teach the truth and it would impact our hearts. Lord, we confess um, we confess how much we want to be more important. We confess how we treat others poorly, and Lord, that all that comes from not getting what you've done for us. Oh Lord, uh, humble us. Um, and encourage us in what you have given up for us. And may that change the way that we would even interact with one another in this room and love others on this campus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.